It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams, niche nonsense, or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish Football Podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Can you do me a couple of ones in a chance? Yeah. Right, let's go. Fact machine takes one, don't it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 don't do that. No point doing that. Give him the tenner back, right? You give him the fiver and the fifty, right? Give him that back. So you take that and you just give him the free ones, right? Give him the free ones, that's it. Now you give him thirty, right? You give him the ten bob back and you owe him, if I'm right, twenty-two pence. <laughs> that's wrong, isn't it? Simon Day and Friends, featuring Billy Bleach and Dave Angel from BBC's The Fast Show, Friday, July the 3rd, 8.30, live on Facebook. Tickets only £5. Go to billetto.co.uk and search Simon Day and Friends. Welcome everyone to another Spurs show. It's Theo Delaney here from uh, broadcasting from my office at home in North London because we're still basically in a kind of a lockdown here. So it's another lockdown Spurs show. I've got three esteemed guests joining me to talk about the current state of Tottenham Hotspur. Stuart Maester is back. Hello, Stuart. Hello, Theo. And you're you're on the Suffolk coast, you lucky man. I'm I'm in Alderborough with my with my partner, yeah, and, and so if seagulls suddenly feature, it's not because we're talking about Brighton. It's because I'm in I'm in Suffolk on the coast here, exactly, enjoying the rain and the wind and the clouds. Got ya. Okay, so we'll bear that in mind if we hear any seagulls. Right. Okay. Also here from the mirror 
Darren Lewis. Hello, Darren. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me on the show. I've seen it a lot of times and um, I've maybe had a little twinge of envy as I've seen other people come on. And I was going to say that sounds a lot like um, when players say that they've always supported the club as a kid yeah. every time they join. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> maybe well, I should I'm buying it. I'm a sucker <laughs> for that sort of thing. I'm buying that. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> and then uh, also returning literary agent to the stars, Matthew Hamilton. How are you, Matthew? I'm very good, Leo. Good to, good to be here. <laughs> to see you, mate. So, well, uh, we are in an interesting and, of course, as, as we all say over and over again, unprecedented situation. Here we are running into the end of a Premier League season and we're, in, we're at the end of June. And we've still got seven games I think we've got to play. Um, we're just about Tottenham, just about in the running, possibly for a jammy uh, Champions League finish, place finish, because fifth place increasingly, well, not increasingly, but it looks like it could well be uh, a Champions League place. And we're actually not that far off it. So what we're about to come into, we've had this strange hiatus in hiatus in the fixtures, but we're about to come into a very busy period. And I think the most... Uh, what we what we need to get our heads around before we discuss other matters is what are we going to be able to get out of these forthcoming games? We basically had a long break of like nine days, I think it is. And now we're going to have four games, four games in 10 days. We're going to have four games with two games in between each one. And that is uh, quite a hectic schedule. And normally you'd have Jose moaning about that. I'm sure there's still time for him to moan about it. He has to moan about it a little bit, although... Although he did say he was quite pleased to have a break. But these two games that are coming up, we've got Sheffield United, who seem to be stumbling badly. And then we've got Everton at home. How do you, first of all, generally, Darren, how do you how do you see Spurs' chances? I mean, it's an outside chance, but how do you generally see Spurs' chances of getting that fifth place? I see it as an outside chance, if I'm honest, because I think uh, Manchester United are in decent form. They changed their side quite considerably for the FA Cup turn at the weekend. They didn't play well in the match. and I, I, But I think that performance you can maybe excuse because of those changes. I think for the Premier League, they're kind of locked and loaded in so much as defensively they've got a good record they're scoring goals Martial's back scoring goals again Pogba looks good alongside Fernandez. I must ask you guys how you feel about Fernandez going to Manchester United given you had so many chances to sign him and decided against it and he looks pure gold at the moment but certainly as far as the, the team is concerned Harry scoring when he did last week was perfect timing given that I saw Paul Merson quite critical of the way Jose plays when, to be honest with you, and I'm sure you'll be able to give me much more on this, but given how poor defensively the side are at the moment and have been all season in comparison to when Maurizio was at the club and you had the strongest defence in the league or one of the strongest defences in the league, um, I, I certainly think that that is going to be an area where they focus on in the summer because there's an argument for saying all five of the back five could either be replaced or at the very least have competition for their places brought in. Um, and I think it's that defence that worries me when I talk about your chances for top four. Because if you look at the last six months or so, Manchester United, they've conceded only 10 goals in all competitions since Boxing Day. And you compare that to the fact that Spurs have got one of the worst defensive records, in certainly in the top half. 
And among the big clubs, I would probably say, oh, the Arsenal have a worse defence, which I'm sure you'll be delighted about. Um, but I think... <laughs> so, do you have a chance? Yes. Do you have a strong chance? I'd say no, because as well as you can do going forward at the back, you're always likely to kind of shoot yourselves in the foot at the moment, sadly. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at that table. United do look good. And Fernandez, obviously, if you're looking for a one-word answer to your query about Fernandez, I think gutted would be probably the best word to describe how we feel about not getting him. Because as you say, he's turned up, looks like he's hit the ground running. And so many good, even good players who come from uh, European leagues take long to take a while, you know, to, mm-hmm. to acclimatise. He hasn't even taken any time to acclimatise. But I'm looking at that table, Matthew, and I'm looking at Wolves as well. What do you think about them? I mean, I saw well, them on the telly at the week. Who Wolves? Yeah, no, I mean, I think they've been looking strong for months, haven't they? And um, yeah. and it's been building very, very consistency, consistently in a way that, well, you know, we, we haven't. Um, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I personally am feeling, I hate to say it, but I am feeling a bit pessimistic uh, of myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, I mean, you're a Spurs you know, fan. Don't expect you to come on here and be jolly. <laughs> I know, but I'm normally I'm, I'm normally I'm quite optimistic, foolishly you know, yeah. a bit disappointed. Uh, but yeah. I don't know that run before the the lockdown was so wretched, wasn't it? And um, and I know that we've had a break and that's put some distance in a way. It, you know, it's almost as if it hasn't happened now. But I mean, do you remember that game against Leipzig and just? I mean, I, I don't yeah, think yeah. I felt so angry. That feeling of us going back to the nineties and yeah, I don't know whether just two or three months off has sort of fixed that. <laughs> Um, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean the injuries. Are... Yeah, that's true. Got a lot of good players back. That's the only thing I would say. Stuart, how are you feeling about it? Well, as far as I understand, that Levy did say to to Pochettino, he said, "I have bought Fernandez, but it may not be the Fernandez you're expecting." <laughs> <laughs> so I know you wanted yeah, a Fernandez. Said... I bought. Yeah. I got one. Yeah. I got a cheaper one. I found yeah. one that was cheaper. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that's my own view is that this season is now simply about Jose deciding who stays and who goes. I, I, I am very, I think there's a very slim chance of us making the Champions League, even fifth, because as you say, United are going well, even Wolves are going well. Uh, and if you look at the table, we're, we're quite a way behind. We're not that many games to go. We have to be very lucky. So I think it's about deciding who should stay and who should go. Uh, I've got views on our defence, which I'm sure we'll come to. Um, but yeah, I, I, Champions League, if we got there, for me, that would be almost as lucky as some of the luck we had last year in the Champions League, you know. And uh, yeah, that, that, that's my feeling. It's, it's about it's about a, tr- a trial for the, for the players to decide who's going to be in the team next season. Can I, can, can I ask, do you, do you think it does need to be a trial given what we've seen already. I mean, they've had a whole season, haven't they, to maybe prove that they still do have it. And I just, I look at Toby and he's not, he's obviously very honest, but maybe not the player he was. Jan, there's, you know, no one came in for him when he was available, you know, quite cheaply as well. Uh, At fullback, Ben Davis is a good, honest player. And I think, you know, with maybe players who are in form alongside him, I don't say better because I still do think they're good players, but I just think that they've lost their form. And I think 
even Hugo, so dependable, such a great captain, World Cup winner. But, you know, he is prone to lapses in concentration, even on the very biggest stage for his country. And I just think if you look at the other teams, certainly if you look at that United defence, you know, you've got Wan-Bissaka who would walk into the Spurs defence. Brandon Williams looks a real talent. Uh, Harry Maguire, you know, particularly at set pieces, is very strong. He's almost, could you argue, he's a player that Alderweireld, that the threat that Alderweireld used to be at set, at set pieces. Um, and even Lindelhoff, who looked so shaky for a long time, and Baye as well, suddenly they're looking in a little bit more confident. Possibly that's because they've got Pogba in front of them now and, and, and Fernandez, And so really, United are fighting fire with fire. But... I just compare all of that to the United to, to the Spurs defence, and I, I just think that Mourinho almost certainly has made decisions about players that are going to stay or go, and I don't think any one player in any position in that back five can believe that they're safe. Yeah, I mean, come back on that. Okay. You go ahead. What's your feeling about Sanchez? <sighs> I think he's a good player, but I just, I think when Mauricio was there, he looked like a player of real promise. I still, I still do think he is, but I just think because of the, the players around him have lost their former touch, that maybe is rubbing off on him a little bit. I think he would survive the cult. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd be surprised. I, I thought when Mauricio was still at the club, that one point looked a really good prospect. And, you know, he's versatile. He plays right back for his country. Um, personally, I would keep him, but it doesn't look as though he's going to get much game time. And I know that he's interested, if an op- option comes for him to go, he's interested mm-hmm. in leaving. Again, that would be a shame, in my opinion, because I think he's a good player and I know Mauricio liked him very much. But as I say, it, it is the case. Do you know, I remember before... Uh, Alderweireld arrived and, you know, the last days of Sherwood and whatever else. And Alderweireld came along. And at, the, at, at that point, the defence was shambolic and Alderweireld came along and he he made everyone around him better straight away with some leadership, some decisiveness. And he reminded me, and clearly he is not in that class, but he reminded me of Ledley King, the way Ledley made good, you know, decent players around him look so much better because he was organised. He led from the front. Um, He led with his performances. Um, And I I think Spurs need that kind of leadership at the back at the moment and they haven't got it. And that's what concerns me. Yeah. Can I I come back on the... Yeah, I've heard of some of the recent Spurs show podcasts and I actually echo what... A number of the guys have said, which is, I think Eric Dyer is looking the part. I know he made, and, and, and although he made the mistake against United, I think the reason for that is that what Jose was really looking for is the new Matic. Is the new Matic because any defence that's that's facing wave after wave or attack, eventually there's going to be a mistake. It's whoever's in the defence, right? And and we've got then there's no question we've got a lot of mistakes in our you know waiting to happen in our defence there's no question about that but I do believe that Dyer shows showed positioning uh, qualities he did a Ledley type uh, interception brilliant uh, brilliant United. and also 
Um, I think he showed leadership qualities If you against West Ham. He was the one that was shouting, screaming. You could see him organising people around him. So, and, and we know that Jose likes Dyer. So I, my, my own thinking is, if you've got a really great Matic-type player in the centre to, to screen, we haven't got that at the moment. We know that. I think that defence would look a lot stronger than it does currently, defensive-wise. I think the full-backs are a different issue, but in terms of the centre of the defence, I think we've got a strong argument there. There may be other priorities for the money. See, I, 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 I totally agree with, with your, what, what you're saying about the performance that Dyer put in. I mean, he put in a block. I remember doing the match report in running, and it looked like a certain goal. Who was it? Was it Martial that was taking the shot? Um, and, and it looked like a certain goal. And the timing of that obviously was key because as you get to that point, you're getting ready for to press the button. And so really it would have changed the, 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 the course of what we were writing. But at the same time, you know, United were on top and the block that Dyer put in at that point was just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I don't I don't disagree with that at all. But I think for me, Dyer's better in midfield. I, I I hear what a number of Spurs fans are saying. I acknowledge that as well. But I think Spurs need to maybe stop making do and find the money for quality because Liverpool are where they are because they found the money for quality. You know, they had a problem at centre half and they went away and they bought Van Dyke. You're not going to get a Van Dyke now, but you can find quality. They had a problem in goal with the goalkeeper making too many mistakes. They went out and they bought Alisson. And I think Spurs are a massive club. Spurs have done fantastic things over the last few seasons. You should not be in a position where you're making, doing, mending all the time. You should be in a position where you're going out and you're saying to good players, come and be part of what we're doing. Great stadium, great fan base, Great recent history. You know, let's get a quality in, be part of this, rather than getting a player who, you know, has been there for a number of years, done a good job in midfield, and you're going to try and shoehorn in into the back. And probably a lot of people watching this will disagree with me, but the, the, the teams that are doing well in the Premier League are going out and sourcing quality. And it's no surprise that they're up in the top four places. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's been quite sobering watching Liverpool win that title because it doesn't seem that long ago. It's less than, it's about two and a half years ago when they came to Wembley and played Tottenham in the early days of us being uh, having Wembley as our home ground. I don't know if you were there, Matthew, but we absolutely tore them apart that day. Lovren was all over them. There was that day where they took Lovren off after half an hour. And, uh, and we <laughs> tore hilarious. them apart and we were, in a, we were on a different level. And, a, and eight out of the last 10 uh, years... Before last year, we'd, we'd finished above them in the league. We were yeah. on a different level from them that day. And then you look at what's happened since then. What they, yeah, they identified almost that day what they needed. They got Van Dyke and then they got Allison, And that, that was suddenly, you know, defence. And that, sh- that sort of um, assuredness that a defence needs that we had then, it's all turned around. I mean, it's quite depressing, actually, Matthew, isn't it? No, it is. And I mean, I, I saw that there was somebody compared the lineups like from 2016 and Liverpool's is completely unrecognisable now. And ours is essentially the same, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you build a massive, you know, one bit, you build the best stadium in the world. You, you're not going to have a lot of spare money around to buy players, but it just feels like there's always a reason at Tottenham not to make that big investment. And and that's what's always kept us just that, just outside the, the race. I suppose Levy would argue that Ndombele was that big statement, wasn't it, last year? Mm. Mm. 
and the, and the Chelsea. Yeah, we want to know that there was a psychological issue or whatever it is that's the problem. I don't think there is a psychological issue with Ndombele. I, I, I think yeah. essentially that I think there's a personality clash between him and, and, and Mourinho. Um, I, Mourinho was very outspoken, wasn't he, before the lockdown yeah. on a couple of occasions yeah. about Ndombele, which raised a lot of eyebrows. Um, I don't want to be critical of Mourinho because some, he, he's a very, very, very good psychologist in terms of he knows who to put the arm around and who to maybe use the stick with. Uh, and I remember when lots of people felt that he was being too harsh on Luke Shaw. But even since he's left Luke Shaw at Manchester United, Luke hasn't exactly gone on to prove him wrong. So I, I don't want to criticise Mourinho in this. I don't think there is a hero and a villain as such. But I do think as far as Ndombele is concerned, you know, he had a very good fitness record at his former club. He played like a guy that could walk into any team in Europe at his former club. So clearly something has gone wrong uh, on his uh, on his arrival at Spurs. Um, he was under Pochettino though, wasn't he? He was slow to settle yeah, himself. You know, yes. We were only getting, getting flashed even before Mourinho. But yeah, I mean... I'd agree. I think. I mean, I think about Nembele. I think Nembele got to work though. I just think, given the economics of the situation, uh, he it, there is no choice, in my view, it, with with him as far as Spurs are concerned. They have to make him work because they're not going to get the money back. He's on big wages. All of that. Uh, they need, you know, that the, they can't afford just to say, "Well, that was a mistake. Let's lose twenty million on him." That's not going to happen. They can't do it. Sure, Stuart, do you think it's the case that maybe if, if you look at Pogba now, he looks sharp, he looks fit, he looks motivated. And I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, that's come with Fernandes coming into the side and looking like a baller and looking like somebody who can make goals, you know, light the pitch up. You know, when you look at Juventus and Pogba did so well there, he was surrounded by quality. He was surrounded by world-class talent. When you look at France and Pogba does the business for them, he's surrounded by quality. The point you made, I think it was yourself or Matthew made the point about if you look at Liverpool and you look at Spurs, Spurs still have the same side they had, what, five years ago. And it might just be that Ndombele needs more quality around him to show his best because I don't believe you bring in good players and then you don't give them the conditions to be able to do what they did at their former club. And I think if he had more quality around him, you might see the best out of him. Well, I think that could okay, be well, let's... Type. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, we're just going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about these forthcoming fixtures in more detail. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. 
welcome back. So these are the forthcoming. These are the games. So we're talking on Tuesday evening. On Thursday evening, we travel to Sheffield United. Now, before this, uh, this hundred days without football that we had, or whatever it was, a trip to Sheffield United would have been the last bloody thing we needed because a, we obviously we were on a terrible run, but Sheffield United looked like such a good side, and here we are. They look like they are faltering quite badly. I watched them. Um, <laughs> it's very upsetting, actually, watching them play Arsenal on. So I was only half watching it. But of course, when they scored quite late, I'm thinking, get in! You're going to knock the arse out of the cup here. And then they let in another bloody goal. So um, I don't know. How do you see that one now, Stuart? Do you think we can go there and get all the points? Well, uh, I mean, we used to be known as Dr. Tottenham, didn't we? Because any team that was struggling just needed to play Spurs and suddenly discovered <laughs> that we, we were the cure. Um, however, however, I, I, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, this is now the kind of situation, these are the kind of games, this and Everton, frankly, that you've hired Jose Mourinho for. So the, the thing he does, uh, which he, you can criticise him for, but is he... He's, you know, he studies the opposition and plays his teams accordingly. So, uh, it's uh, who knows, of course, but I think this is the kind of game that Jose Mourinho it should be uh, uh, getting a, getting a victory any way that he can for the club. And similarly, I'd say the same about Everton. Actually, somehow we we obviously need if we've got any chance at all of. Champions League. We obviously need the points. We need all the points. We know that. Um, so yeah, that that would that would be my. Uh, I'd be looking very hard to see how the team is set out, whether we have the quality and the uh, dynamism and the energy to overcome a team like Sheffield United at home at this point in time. That, I think that's quite a really good indication, given that he's had a lot of time with the squad about whether what he's doing is working. So, yeah, of course we can, but equally we could be turned over. <laughs> well, yes, quite. I mean, the thing about Sheffield United, looking at their um, psychology, is they can't afford another bad result. Otherwise, they're really on the slide, aren't they? Uh, but what is interesting, I don't know, what, what do you think about this? Uh, do you think home advantage is now practically, you know, a non-existent thing? Do you think it no longer exists in this situation? What, what, what's your take on that, Matthew? Would you say in the absence of a crowd? Yeah, <clears throat> I think it probably makes a little, I mean, it helps them a bit probably, doesn't it? I mean, there's still a familiarity for them in the ground. We've still got to travel. Um, yeah, I would say, but less so, less so. Um, yeah. I was. I mean, out of the, out of the forthcoming games, funnily enough, the, the one that I feel most nervous about is Bournemouth away. Right. Why is that? Well, I don't know. Just it seems like that that's the type of fixture that we blow it. You know, I mean, in fact, <laughs> didn't we? Wasn't it? Was it last season? We had like three players sent off, and you know, it, it, we yeah. needed to win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting what Stuart says about Mourinho. Should now, having had all this time, he's had he's had all the big the long break, and now he's had this short break between the West Ham game and the Sheffield United game. If he's ever gonna be, a, and he's got fit players. So if he's ever going to be able to instill that horrible Mourinho bloody-mindedness, we'll get a result, whatever it takes, he's going to do it now. Otherwise, he's not going to do it at all. Um, and in a way, I would have thought it'd be a good time to play Sheffield United. Would you, do you think Sheffield United looking like a busted flush, Darren? Now, I mean, a lot of teams come up, don't they, and play well for two-thirds of a season and then sort of fade away? 
Yeah, I do, but I think that they're well organised. They they play the system. They play very well. Three five two. Um, the goals have dried up for them, but they're still creating the chances as we saw against Arsenal. They really should have beaten Arsenal. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the mistake that Dean Henderson made in that game for me underlines why. I think all this talk about him maybe replacing De Gea is vastly, vastly premature. I, I think De Gea doesn't make a mistake like that. And he is prone yeah. to Yodera, but I don't think he makes uh, a rookie mistake like that for me. I, I, th- I think as far as Sheffield United are concerned, it's a good time to play them. And, and I yeah. wouldn't be as concerned um, as maybe the chaps are about playing Sheffield United or, or maybe slipping up. Harry scoring last week is good. It gets him back in in form. Son, in particular, I think, will give them a real problem with his movement and his ability to pull defenders apart. And uh, Bergwijn looks very sharp as well. In fact, one of the things that struck me since the lockdown, since we've, we've come back, is how sharp the Spurs players look. I was quite struck by that uh, in the early part of the game against Manchester United. And I think as far as... Spurs are concerned. I think you said it, Stuart. They've been helped massively by the fact that you know, we all know the lockdown is a very serious and very sad period for all of us. You know, when I say us, because you know we're all affected in some way by it, some way, shape, or form. But in sporting context, I think that Spurs had key players out before the lockdown. They were in whole awful form before the lockdown and since then they've come back they've recalibrated it's almost like they've unplugged it and plugged it back in again uh, because they have stabilized a bit scoring goals again yes they may have conceded late on against Manchester United but to be fair that was a moment of a real genius from Pogba to concede that goal um, but I, I think that Spurs I would take Spurs to beat Sheffield United I really would because I think they're wobbling at the moment and I think that you can take advantage of that fragile confidence that's there. I don't think that they're going to fall away Sheffield United. I still do think they're good players, good manager, good system as well. But I just think that you're in a moment at Spurs where you can maybe take advantage of their fragile confidence and build on what is a promising restart for the club. Dad, I can't tell you what that means to me. <laughs> an objective an objective expert telling us this we could never come to any in any objective way let alone an expert way so that is great to hear now yeah. while we're on a roll what do you think what do you think then about Everton uh, the following Monday because perhaps the classier side probably classier players a little bit less prosaic you might mm. assume you think they can come to Spurs and cause Spurs trip problems? Well, see, Everton, forgive me, Theo, but I'm a, a bit more worried about Everton <laughs> because um, I think Ancelotti's getting more out of the Everton players than his predecessors. They've got good attacking forwards as well. They create a lot of chances the other day. What was it? Norwich? Was it Ever- Norwich Everton the other day? Um, and I think. You know, Calvert-Lewin looks a different player under Ancelotti. He looks more confident. He looks more potent. He's got a threat in the air. His movement is better. Um, I like Bernard, uh, the Brazilian um, playmaker. He's very skillful as well. But Everton have got a forward line with a bit of X factor about them. And I think that that could spell trouble for a Spurs defence, which at the moment tends to switch off in vital moments. And... 
I think as far as Everton are concerned, they've got every chance of coming away with at least a point uh, from uh, North London. And I think as far as they are concerned, you know, you look at the players that they're in for as well this summer, you know, some very, very good players that will take them to another level. So a lot of the Everton players, particularly that forward line, know that they're playing for their futures at the club and that's going to motivate them even further. But I think that they've got a little bit of nous in that forward line. They've got pace in that forward line as well, which could rattle the Spurs defence. And I think it could, I think it'll be a game with goals. And I do think that Everton will get something out of it. Everton are a worry in general terms, not just in terms of that match. On them, they look like wolves. Yeah. Do you know what, as I got to the end of that, I kind of worried that you had one of those, you know, those things like Graham Norton and you pull it and then <laughs> I end up going back because I hadn't said the right thing. I thought MTU then, you disappeared in your in your green screen behind you. You're the first. <laughs> I I've gone there. <laughs> no, no, I have, you know, you've got to take the rough with the smooth when it comes to objective expert analysis. And I've, I've, like I've come through that. Uh, but my worry about Everton is a bit like Wolves. Uh, you know, one of the things, if you're a Spurs fan recently, I think, is when we were flying and we, we had the best back five instead of the wobbliest amongst all the, you know, when we had Rose and Walker and the Tongan and Alderweireld and, and Hugo in, in good form. Kept thinking. Do you remember how good Le- Leeds were when they were when they broke into the top echelon? And do you remember how good Newcastle were in the mid nineties? And they were everybody. Leeds and Newcastle were really great. They played great football. They were right up there. They were getting you know, doing well in the Champions League. There were some years they looked like they might win the league, and they ended up not only falling away, they fell away without winning a thing. And now you look at this situation: Wolves and Everton, maybe a resurgent Arsenal. Dare I dare I say it? And United, you know, coming coming back, it would appear possibly. These are all, you know, not definite. The, um, it, it's a massive worry. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I lose sleep over these things. Stuart, do you, do you share my yeah, concerns? I, well, I do. I, I do completely. I, I think that you get into the heart of the big stuff now, really, in my view, which is what happens in the close season and into next year. My own view on this, this is my big controversial view, with that Harry Kane has to leave Spurs for his own career. Because I think wow. there's a high chance that we should be, that we may be one of those teams. If I was him, I'd say, right, I'm halfway through my career. Uh, and if he does go, they raise a load of money, hopefully. I mean, it won't be as much as it would have been before COVID, but a load of money. And they re- now, that's, and, and Sonny, of course, is also being linked with some big clubs. Because he's our other superstar. So the question then becomes, are we one of those teams? That, and we all feared it last year. Is this the high watermark? We all knew this could be the high watermark. We all knew it, right? Is it the high water, or is this the platform for us to leap into being one of the the, big, the bigger clubs? And I think that you know, getting Jose was a statement to say we're trying to we're going to be a big club, a big manager, you know, a manager who wins stuff, all of that sort of thing. But if you if we find in this the end of this season, Harry goes, as I fear, unfortunately, he probably, I, I believe he probably will. Even if Sonny goes, which would be unthinkable because we all love him so much. Um, then, question marks, massive next season becomes enormous whether we, where, which direction we go in. Because you're absolutely right. Everton 
uh, going to be stronger on that. Sure, right. He's already gone there with a promise, with a promise of massive investment. Otherwise, um, Wolves. Are, I don't know whether Wolves will go up or down, but United looking strong. Chelsea have bought, have had made two fantastic buys, uh, which me you know, on already a, a squad that's looking good. So, unfortunately. Uh, you know, and the benchmark we have to set ourselves, we should all acknowledge this is the week Liverpool won the, the Premier League at a, at a you know, unbelievable achievement the way they won it. We, we, it's not who have we got and are they any good. It's where, if you look at Liverpool and Manchester City, can we bridge that gap? Does anyone think we can bridge that gap with Mourinho and with, if we don't, if we do lose Harry and if we did lose Sonny? And that this, these are the big questions. I tell you what worries me about the Harry, you know, Harry going and spending the money is it reminds me of when we we, we were supposedly sold Elvis and bought the Beatles. Do you remember that when Gareth <laughs> yeah. Bale left and it turned out we bought Bucks Fizz at best. <laughs> and it's so hard to spend. It's so hard to, to spend a large amount of money on a whole bunch of top quality players. I mean, when we when you think of that time and trying to I think. Out of all those players, only one of them turned out to be any good, Ericsson. Some people say Lamella's playing well at the moment, but please. I mean, I think Ericsson turned out to be a great buy, but the rest of them, many of them had gone within the two years, didn't they? So that would worry me, obviously. But I mean, as you say, Harry will make his own decision. If he wants to go, he'll go, I'm sure. But to, we lost him and Son in the same. It'd be a bit like when we when we lost... Um, you know, I mean, uh, in back in the day when we used to always lose our best players, when Keane left or when Teddy left or when Berbatov left, it would be we'd be back to that, wouldn't we? And uh, you know, it's yeah, I, yeah, I just don't. I, I think, uh, and I've let Matthew ever say, but I, I don't think you can bridge in the gap if you lose the England captain, dual Golden Boot winner, World Cup Golden Boot winner. You know, not only are you not bridging the gap, but you're not attracting quality to the club. Because any team that has aspirations on the top four, let alone winning the title, has to have a prolific goal scorer. You must. You absolutely must. And, you know, Liverpool have got three, you know, all of whom are competing for the golden boot. Uh, Manchester City have got two, you know, Aguero and Jesus. And they've got players who can contribute from midfield. And yeah. what Spurs have to do is decide what kind of club they want to be from this point on. Do yeah. they want to be a club that knows that to spend big, to, sorry, to get into the big time, to have that seat at the top table, you've got to bite the bullet and spend money? Or do you still want to be the club you were five years ago, the club that basically is the reason that Pochettino left? Because yeah. he had said time and again, we've got this stadium, we've got this infrastructure, we've got this training ground, now we need the squad. And Spurs didn't spend and Liverpool did. And as you rightly say, you know, you finished above them, mate, of the last 10 years. And yeah, Liverpool have just basically gone like that and left you behind. Yeah. If, you, if Kane will stay if there is quality around him and there is a reason for him to stay. If the club look like they're going to continue to tread water, and I'm not, you know, there, there is this pantomime villain stuff about Levy won't spend and Levy won't. The club clearly have a business model that they're working to, and I don't want to want to buy into the idea that you know Levy is the villain because I don't think that's quite true. I think that they're just trying to run the club sensibly. But the point is that when you look at a Liverpool. Liverpool knew that they had specific problems and they went out and they addressed them. 
Spurs yeah. have got those problems. You can't solve those problems by shopping at you know in the bargain basement and hoping to catch Manchester City and 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 Liverpool. You have to decide: Do we want to keep shopping in the bargain basement and maybe settle for the Europa League and maybe get lucky and nick a Champions League place, or do we actually seriously want to match City and Liverpool and in doing so accept that we've got to buy, go out, buy better, improve our recruitment and shop for expensive players who have got a good track record and will definitely improve the side. Yeah. I mean, Matthew, you and I have been, uh, we've got best part of a hundred years worth of following Tottenham Hotspur. Put, throw Stuart in, you're talking about probably 150. And that, everything that Darren's just said, everything oh, that Darren's just said, it, it just feels so familiar, doesn't it? Because... You know, that thing of never, ever really being prepared to take the extra last step. Always. There's always all the sugar years and even all the Levy. I mean, Levy is, as you say, Darren, you hesitate to um, criticise Levy because he has achieved so much. And including on the, you know, I mean, you look at how much better we are and have been under his stewardship than we were in the previous 10 years. Uh, You've got to say that he's achieved amazing things. So, as you say, you can't say, oh, it's all Levy's fault, he's got to spend more money. If there is no money or the business plan doesn't allow it or whatever, then that's how it is. But it's just so frustrating to be so near, so often so close. And and that everything that you've just said there, that, that decision, do you want to be in the second tier or do you really seriously want to be taken seriously as title contenders and be up there with City and Liverpool? If you do, you've got to spend similar money you've got to buy you've got to have a recruitment policy that is i mean matty can you see can you see that happening can you see a scenario where we would do that no i don't i i can't actually i can't see that we certainly not at the city liverpool level um i think i think levy will be pitching it like like he did under pochettino third at best you know um but you know i don't know i mean it's it's like a kind of nosebleed, isn't it? That both the players, everybody gets, we're on the cusp of something. It's just so sort of built into our club. But um, I can't see him spending like 75, 80 million on numbers of players or borrowing heavily in that way. I, I can't, I can't see that he'll do it. Um, I, Matthew, I don't, I'm not saying that it has to be that amount of money. But what I'm right. saying is that it's got to be. Um, a large, you know, if a player costs forty million pounds, you've got to go out and buy them if you want to match. You know, the, Manchester City wanted a winger. Sane cost forty-two million pounds. You know, most people in this country, let's not kid ourselves, hadn't heard of him, and yeah. yet they went out and he bought him, and they bought him, and he was fantastic for them. You know, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. If a player costs that amount of money, Manchester City would not have haggled over Fernandes if they really wanted him. They'd have gone out and they said, much, there's the money, there you go. How much was the real Fernandes? How much? Uh, for Leroy No, no, no. How much was the real Fernandes? How much was he, the, the real Fernandes? Oh, Bruno Fernandes, the real Fernandes. Yeah. Um, I think he was £54 million. Right, which is what we paid for Ndombele. So yes. we are, you know, we paid, we, you know, we, okay, so Ndombele, we all know, could still be a superb player. So let's leave that to one. The point is we have spent, you know, we, we have gone out. Lo Celso was over 40, wasn't he, in the end, and it could be more. Yeah. 
I suppose um, the thing is we hadn't spent any money for about two years, but mm. when we spent that money, that's the thing. That's the difference, that's I guess, isn't it? So, I yeah, mean, he was entitled to spend some money there. And, I mean, Liverpool, of course, when they, when they needed um, Van Dijk, I mean, no one had ever paid 75 million for a centre-back. No. But they were so sure they needed him, they just, took, they just spent what it took. So I suppose that's the thing. That's the, maybe the difference. But um, we'll see, how won't we? I mean, leave me. No, no, no. I was just wondering just how good we, we feel the Celto's going to be. I mean, he's looking very promising. But do we think he's you know going to be as good or better than Ericsson? I think he looks well, Terry like he could be. Yeah. Yeah. Terry, Terry Gibson said on the Spurs show the other week, didn't he, that actually in Spain he was a number 10. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, my own view is that uh, that he may or may not be the new Ericsson, but he may be, if you had a strike force of Sonny, Harry and Lachelso uh, with Bergvine and, uh, and Lucas as kind of there or thereabouts, you know, as impact or, you know, to have a squad, then you've got, that's a fantastic front five. For me, Delhi should be sold for as much as we can get at the end of the season, personally, but... But um, so that that would be. A, I think he could be amazing with Chelsea. He's such a quality yeah. player. Yeah. Well, I think that's why we're we're all in probably in agreement that, assuming we keep players, our problems are very much at the other end of the team because if they're all fit, yeah, that's an amazing front line. I think I agree with you. Anyway, gentlemen, it, uh, we're coming to the end now, so I think I'm going to have to do what I'm obliged to do, and I'm going to have to ask you for predictions now. For these forthcoming two fixtures, uh, so we'll start. What we'll do is we'll go. We'll just start with Sheffield United, and then we'll go round again for the Everton game. What do you What do you see us doing at Sheffield United? Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> uh, what do I really think, or what do I? I'm going to say yes. two one to Spurs. I'm going to say two one to Spurs. I don't. I, yeah, that's what I'm going to go for. Two one to Spurs. At you. One um, one. Okay. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, I do agree with with what Matthew was saying about Lacelso. I think anything that Lacelso does is better than what Ericsson did in the last season because he really? basically clocked off. And I think yeah. already uh, he's already an improvement. He's committed to the club. Basically, yeah. he's committed to what the club wants to do. I cannot believe that, having said last season, last year that he was interested in a move away, that Ericsson was still at the season when the season began. He should have been sold at that point. His commitment was no longer there. If I said to my wife, I actually fancy the lady next door, she'd hand me my bags and direct me next door. You know, and I think as far as Ericsson is concerned, that should have been the case at the start of this season. He should have been gone. So anything yeah. that Lo Celso does for me is good. And he does look good, not just going forward, but he's also very defensively aware too. Yeah. And I think he covers a lot of mileage in any given game. And I really yeah. like him as a player. Um, yeah. and, and so you're right to highlight him. Um, for tomorrow night's game, I agree with Stuart. I, I, I think Spurs will win, but I can't see a situation where they don't concede. So Stuart, I'm with you. 2-1 for me. Okay. Well, I was going to say 2-1 as well, but I feel like I should say something different. So I'm going to say 3-1. A late, <laughs> a late third. Harry Kane, 
I just feel like that when he put that ball away, when he put that goal away against West Ham, it was so proper Kane, wasn't it? It was the first time he'd seen proper Kane since probably yeah. 2019. And he just went through and he did yeah. it with such assurance and conviction. That's what you're looking for. And he had complete conviction. I'm thinking he might start to fill his boots a bit now. Anyway, we'll go on now to the Everton game, the arguably trickier game of Everton at home, Stuart. Well, I'm actually much more confident about this. I think we're going to beat them really easily. Everton. Wow. So, I, yeah, I'm. I, I really see. I think that this is this is either three nil or three one. So let's say three one on the basis that Darren's convinced me they've got a tricky forward line that could knock in a goal against us. <laughs> so I'm going to three one. Oh, okay. I hope you haven't done the famous Spurs show curse there. But let's go on to Matthew. What are you What are you thinking, Matthew? Um, I think we usually do quite well against Everton at home. I mean, not a good at them, but we, I think at home we, we tend to do quite well. I think 2-0. I think OK, I like it. Well, that's very positive. <laughs> Darren, no, you're not. I know your prediction is likely to be different. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm going to be the hard thing to ever do now because I, I, I just can't see a situation where Everton don't score. They've got too many tricky players. They've got pace in that forward line. They've got... Calvert-Lewin, who, like I said before, he's a different player under Ancelotti. And if you combine that with the fact that Spurs can do really well throughout the game, but you're always really on edge. You're a little bit back to the days where if you'd score, you'd be like, it's too early. It's too early. And I think as far as... (laughs) Those days have never... Darren, Darren, those days have never gone. What do you mean back to those days? (laughs) (laughs) When did those days ever end? I think under Pochettino, that was first two, three seasons under Pochettino, you were back there. You were really, really tough yeah. defensively. Um, yeah. But, but, but <laughs> you're right. It does feel like those days have never gone. Um, yeah. So I can see Everton scoring and I think it will be 1-1. Okay. I'm just going to say, because I always, uh, I'm forcing myself to, to be positive and I think we'll win 3-2. Because I, th- I agree with you, Darren. I think they've got goals in them, but I think we might have goals in us as well. And uh, yeah, I just feel us again, just nicking it, probably in a rather unfair way. Like we'll get a dodgy penalty, or or we'll we'll be, or, or so we'll get away with something. I just feel Mourinho's like that, isn't he? Or we might win a little bit ugly. And then we got six points, and I'm absolutely cock a hoop, and I'm thinking Champions League. Here we come. <laughs> there you go. That's how I like to do it. I'm a fool, but I, I, at least I remain uh, with a smile on my face. So that's it. That brings us to an end, gentlemen. Uh, Stuart, Matthew, thank you very much for returning. And Darren, it's been an enormous pleasure having you on from the Honestly. Mirror. Really appreciate your objectivity. Matthew, did you have something, something to add? No, no, no. Oh, no I thought you were good. Okay. Oh, no, it was my son was coming up the thing and I was telling him to wait. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you all ever so much. I've enjoyed this very much. And I think, uh, you know, time will tell is probably the best thing to say at the end of this show. Other than that, (laughs) I will say this is Dear Daily saying, Come on, you Spurs! Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. This is a playback media production. 
Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.